So here we go. We're going to jump in. Uh, nice Monday, midday. We're rolling. We're settled. Attendance. Now you just noticed there for today you came in and I had something for you to do. Pull out 12th night. Chat with people next to you. Connect on it. When you have something to do like that and I ask you to engage, please do. That means phones are gone. Okay? And then the device might come out because you're looking at your homework. So I get that, right? At this point, though, when I pull it in, phones are definitely gone, even if it was your homework. And then your device should just get folded down, either flat, backwards flat, or frontwards flat. Yeah? All right? Unless you want to declare it for the class. Do you have something on there that's for Shakespeare? No? Okay. Yeah. So I don't mind flat if you're using it to like look at your homework and stuff as well. But I think flat on the desk is going to be a really healthy way for us to navigate our surfaces as well. Good? All right. Logistics for class today is uh, you came in to today having looked at that packet, a little bit about Twelfth Night. Like I kind of said earlier, some of this stuff I'm just going to treat you like young adults, uh, going into college type students. Your, your teacher gives you something on Twelfth Night, what do you do? You read through it, it'll give you some info, it'll you know, give you some context, I'm just gonna trust that you can do it. And I could do a lot of other things, right? Like I could have said, read the intro in the Oxford edition. I didn't, actually part of it is, some of you will wanna do that at some point. You're gonna wanna connect with stuff on that level, or you're gonna wanna use that as your source for your Twelfth Night paper. Great, it's an Oxford you know, stuff, so that's a great source. The other homework was to read Act 1, Scene 1. Nice, right? Get familiar with the lines. Get to know some of the characters. Hopefully that went well. Some of you have already noticed that for Friday, yeah, for Friday, no, for you guys, it would be Thursday. For Thursday, read Act 1. Not Act 1, Scene 1, but what? Act 1. You've got some time. I want you to kind of start digging through that. We will probably likely pick your themes on Wednesday. I don't think we'll get to it today. Okay, just read it. If you want to kind of read Act 1 without your theme yet, just read through and underline a whole bunch of different things or maybe kind of lean towards a theme and you can pick that one or let me know I want this theme today. And then you can do your homework reading for that theme. But then it says to find three quotes on your theme. All right, you read, you annotate, you highlight quotes, and then you take a picture. If, of it, if I say three quotes, then a picture of at least three annotated quotes. And your theme is serving, so you wrote serving next to it. Take a picture, stick it on there. I have evidence that you're interacting with the text. Okay? You don't have to take a picture of all of your annotations. I mean, if you want it, I mean, whatever. Right? But you don't have to do that. At least what I need online is some evidence. And so I'm asking you to do that minimum amount. Eventually, it'll be like, read Act 3, this scene, find some quotes and write a paragraph or two. Great. Take a couple pictures, type up a little paragraph, you're all set. You can just kind of now assume that's the direction we're going to go. You're going to get your theme, read, annotate, show me that you're doing it, you get your points, we're cruising. Yeah? For the entire book, unless you want to change. Yeah, I mean, if you're like, ah, I hate this theme, I want something else, I don't care, right, whatever. But again, this is as your teacher saying, pick a theme, focus, and then watch what your peripheral vision does. Watch how it connects to other things, and then it helps you not feel as overwhelmed, right? So, Questions on just logistics now 
on how we're rolling. I have my 20-year curriculum of Shakespeare that I'm adjusting, and so I'm already realizing, fortunately for you guys, fourth period, you're kind of like catching the back end of the surfing of the wave of how it's all rolling. Um, and so I'm adjusting even by the time we get to fourth period. But I'm adjusting, I'm pedaling into the wave, I'm kind of changing what I've done for a while. That's gonna be part of this semester. Hopefully you're noticing I'm going in nice and easy right now for a million reasons, right? And it'll start picking up the pace, so. Cool. All right. Well, let me pray then. I'm gonna pray, and uh, if you have not done this yet, before you leave today, if you wanna come up, you can right now, but before you leave today, I'd like you to sign this. This is what the students are signing, Caroline. You can maybe text a friend and have them sign your name, or I can sign for you or something, or when you come back sometime, or whenever you're at WA, sign your name on it, all right? Um, but it's our community code of love and honor for our literature class at Wheaton Academy. Again, don't sign it if you're not gonna try to be loving and kind in Shakespeare class, right? Um, well, let's talk if you're not willing to sign it. If you are willing to sign it, then get your name on there. And there's something about putting your signature on there, posting it on the wall, saying, I agree. We've already read all this stuff. We've already had a huge block day talking about it. I agree to be kind and patient and you know, considerate. I'm not going to be rude. Like even with the teacher, right? I'm not going to be rude by hiding my phone or being distracting. I'm, uh, I'm going to be, you know, persevere, I'm not going to focus on just me, et cetera, et cetera, with the love one. That's glued on there as well. I also glued on there this one page that we didn't focus a ton on. You were asked to read this packet, so theoretically you've already read this, and so you know what it is, right? But it's the Kingdom Community Code of Love and Honor. I agree to not be distracting. I agree to no put-downs. I agree to, you know, even watch my body language. I know some of us are just kind of chilling right now, right? But if you're tired and you're like, I just need to put my head down to make this, I get it, but could I teach like this? Right, let's talk about act one, scene one, line one. I mean, I could teach like that. I'm tired too, but does that work? I mean, you might be like, eh. no, it doesn't work, right? So yeah. Or the, the classic scenario of I'm pissed off at Dominguez in the world in school, so I'm just going to sit like this in class, right? Which I know you might be chilling. This is different than the student who's sitting like this. Hey, your body language is a language. It does communicate. Being relaxed, paying attention, being comfortable matters. If you're freezing, and that's why you're doing this, maybe you're just cold. I get it. So bring a blanket, you know, I don't know, whatever you need to do. But keep an eye on that. Your eyes are extra important these days, aren't they, right? So, something to consider. Some of this is a little redundant. I don't want to be overly redundant here, but I'm noticing being a good listener, right? And I just want to highlight that safety stuff. Safety physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, and socially. We didn't spend a ton of time on those specifically, right? But I think generally, they're really important in a classroom setting. Two more things. The last one here is when we mess up, we're going to agree to do what? You make a mess, you clean it up. Does that make sense? We hurt somebody, we say we're sorry. 
we're going to be quick to forgive. We're going to work on reconciliation. I didn't say if we mess up. I said what? When? We will. I might mess up. It happens, right? I'll say I'm sorry. I hope you'll forgive me, right? And that's just part of us all navigating, especially all this stuff. This last one, though, that I wanted to really highlight right now, I get this, maybe more than you're aware, like, as a teacher in college doing teacher training and all that kind of stuff all the way through, I've always made this my philosophy for education and particularly adventure programming. The more I put into it, the more I'll get out of it. It's a biblical principle, you reap what you sow, okay? I have worked really hard, really hard, to design all of my classes so that if you just wanna like get the grade and move on, you can. Find your quotes, post them, move on. Okay, write your paper. It's an English class, I got my credit. Like, that's okay, like I get it. There's a, you know, 74 Shakespeare students in high school right now. Okay, you don't all have to love it. And like, it's my favorite class ever. However, I've worked hard to make it so that you can do that if you want to, but if you want to dig in, if you want to lean in, if you want to, get more out of this class, you can. The nice thing for me as a Shakespeare teacher is I can pretty much guarantee you, if you lean into Shakespeare, if you wanna learn more about Shakespeare, is there more to learn? <laughs> oh my gosh, right? We are scratching the surface. There's so much available. And so some of you are honors English students. You wanna be an English teacher. You wanna write, you wanna do those things. Yeah, if you lean into this class, I will help you. I will make things available. The more you go to find, the more there is to find. It's great and it's really fun. And so that's available as well. That's really kinda of up to you. Fair enough? Cool. All right, so that's the code. That's really what you're signing, making it safe for all of that. I don't always do this. I actually kind of rarely do this. Um, but today, I want to I want to do it. I want to ask: Is there a student out there who'd be willing to pray over our classroom culture and over the signatures here? You don't have to, but anybody? If you wait more than like seven or eight seconds, then you get the like, okay, I don't want the guilty hand up, right? It's no big deal, because um, I'll happily do it, but. One, one more ask, anybody, any student willing to, want to? I got it, I got it. Jesus, thank you for a class like this where we get to talk about story and Shakespeare, where we get to learn these different things. Help us to make it safe. Help us to make it fun. Help us to have fun. Help us to be kind. Help us to encourage each other. And I pray that we can encounter you. We can make it loving. Um, we can be encouraging to each other and really just enjoy the stories and the material and the movies and enjoy learning. Bless our efforts for that. I pray this in your name, in the power of your spirit. Amen. All right, we've got, perfect, we've got like a half hour, all right? I'm going to use that time right now to try to set you up for the week and maybe the rest of the semester, the rest of your life, if you want to go that far with this. And uh, let's look at this page. It's in front of you. Okay. How to read Shakespeare's plays. There is a handout in front of you. It's on, on campus. If you ever need it or lose it or want it online, uh, Caroline, 
You can find it on the topics page and you click on 12th night and you see all the PDFs, right? They're all just lined up there so they're available for you. So if you want to take notes on this sheet of paper, great, that's available for you. The back side of it is what we'll use tomorrow to talk about how to watch a Shakespeare play. I would prefer for you to take notes in your book on page 84. That's where I want you to do it. Um, just because then you have how to read a Shakespeare play, where? In your Shakespeare play. But I know some of you just like, you like to take the notes, you've got a notebook, you put it all there, it's, and maybe you'll actually use it instead of just like writing on this and it gets recycled or lost or shoved in your backpack or whatever, okay? So if you're gonna take it on the paper, take it on the paper. If you're not, do it in the book. I want you to write these down. Like that's what I'm saying, write this stuff down. Yeah? Surface, there you go. Now we're declaring the surface. That's a great, then you really, then you got it, right? So, perfect, right? So, good use of surface. I've got about 13 or 14 things on here. This is just tips on how to read Shakespeare's plays, okay? This is another one of those scenarios where over 20 years I've probably had, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 Shakespeare students over these years. I wonder how many actually took me seriously on this. It's a short little 20 minute, 30 minute lesson, but I'm really giving you 30 years of reading Shakespeare experience on what works and what doesn't work, right? Like, so I wanna encourage you to like write this down, pay attention, but really encourage you to what? Like do this, do these things. They really do help and make a difference. I had you read 40 lines over the weekend just to give it a shot, right? If you did these things, you probably had a nice experience. If you didn't, we're gonna be doing it again and you get to apply this stuff to you. All right, so let's just start with this. For you, what works? What has worked? What doesn't really work? And so don't do that, but what did work on helping you engage with the text? Anybody? Stuff that works? Maybe you did it over the weekend? Or you did it two years ago or junior high? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so writing it in Wanglish, right? Like kind of your own interpretation, your own connection with it. Someone said that they really like to make a map. They kind of map out the characters, they kind of get some key quotes, they're rewriting things in the side. Excellent. Annotate your book. Huge. Everybody write it down. <laughs> Take notes, put in question marks there annotate that every assignment will have you to read and annotate and then rewriting it is an excellent approach by the way I already said this but we can reiterate it use whatever you want to figure this stuff out right get the modern translation get summaries I just gave you a summary here's the Cambridge School of Shakespeare it's fantastic it's got interpretations it's got a summary on every page. It's got good questions and vocabulary. Get spark notes, pink notes, monkey notes, whatever notes you want, Cliff's notes, Bill's notes, I don't care. Like, whatever you want to do. None of that's cheating, right? Just the silly thing is that if you replace Shakespeare with those things, like read the stuff and then get all the help you want. Yeah? What else works? Yeah, the footnotes, I mean, that's why I had to get Oxford. These are excellent, excellent, tried and true Oxford footnotes. Use them, okay? 
So here's what I'm going to offer you. I, I paired this class from eight plays down to like three and a half, right? We're spending a month, like September on Twelfth Night. It's three hours, three hours and 15 minutes, depending on you know, how long you, you spend in the dialogue. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. When I say read Act 1, it doesn't have to be right by this time, but I want you to read Act 1. I would encourage you just to read the script. Just read it. Maybe a little annotations, but just read it. And then do what? Read it again, looking up, surfighting. <laughs> Using the footnotes, rewriting stuff, getting a summary, all that kind of stuff. So you should experience this at least twice. You're going to read it through once smoothly and then dissect it. Or, whatever your pleasure, maybe you're going to like read it through and chop it up the first time and look everything up and get to know the words and get to know the sentences and make sure you understand it. But then you've got to do what? Just read it smoothly. You've got to at least encounter it both ways. Agreed? Hugely important. Good. And the footnotes there are great, right? By the way, here's another tip. When you get to a word like surfighting and you don't know what it is, what do you do? You look it up. You guys, there's no excuse. You have your services, many of you have your phones. Siri, what's surfighting? Siri will tell you, say it out loud, give you a definition. Five to seven seconds is when we've timed it. No excuse. And actually, don't miss out. This is Shakespeare. Amazing opportunity for you to grow your vocabulary. Some people just sign up for Shakespeare classes to improve their vocabulary. <laughs> and you will if you look up the words. Or if you pay attention to good Shakespeare, you'll learn it in context, which is super fun. Other ones that you guys have? Cool. All right. I'll go through my list then. All right. A couple of things that you want to work on here is Many of you sat down this weekend, no shame, no guilt, no worries, but many of you sat down this weekend, okay, I gotta read Act 1, Scene 1. I get it. This is dialogue meant to be acted out on the stage, but you just turned it to an internal monologue in your brain. Is that what's going on here? No. So to, to be blunt, like you gotta do it out loud. You've gotta read it out loud is if music be the food of love, play on it. Did Arsino say that sitting in a plastic chair in a plastic table in cinder block room? <laughs> I doubt it, right? Get up, move around, all right? Get your arms involved. Walk, sit on a couch, go out under a tree. Read it out loud. I mean, if you want to bring a nice little tear to my eye or make my heart skip a little beat, I'll walk outside and you'll be socially distanced, but reading Shakespeare out loud to each other. <gasps> like you play Orsino, you be a viola, I'll be festy. We're gonna read it out loud. Ready? Add to this notes. Emphasis and emotion. One of the saddest things and one of the most destructive things for Shakespeare. You go, okay, fine, we'll read it out loud. It be a food love, play on, give me excess food that's fighting, the appetite may sicken and so die, it's strained again, it had a dying fall, oh, it came over my ear like a sweet sound, it breathes upon a bank of violets, stealing giving odor, enough, no more, to not so sweet now as it was before. You just destroyed Shakespeare, right? Is that how Orsino said it? Come on, no way. That strain again, it had a dying fall, oh, it came over my ear. Like the sweet sound that breathes upon a bank of violets, stealing and giving, a, like get some emotion, move around, inflection, tone of voice, 
it all really does matter, especially with this. Agreed? Okay. If you want to ratchet it up a little bit more, yeah, go audio. Let the pros read it to you. Audio Shakespeare is so well done these days. They usually have the music and the sound effects. They're grabbing actors and actresses who've played these parts on stage. Hey, can you do an audio for us? Sure, I know the lines already. You know, like, so I think that is one of the best ways to do this is get the audio and let them read it to you while you follow along and do your homework, right? Like, fair enough. A lot of my students who do this end up just like listening to the whole play. Like, oh, I just did it. You know, like, ah, oh, right? So, because it, it, when it's done that well, it's really engaging and it's Shakespeare. It's like they get the, it helps you understand it. They're doing the pace and the rhythm and the tone. Really good. Keep going. Okay, ready? I already gave you my warning. Here it comes again, right? Definitely Google and find video clips. It's meant to be what? Watched. It's meant to be watched. And so if you Google Twelfth Night, Act One, you'll probably get a whole bunch of like clips. Half of them will probably be like a high school play or this, per you know, Shakespeare in the Park here and it's on somebody's phone or whatever. You know what, if you wanna just like get a little sampling of those, cool. Now remember, warning, be really careful, right? The people are targeting you who are doing that. So have a good filter to always know what you're clicking before you click it. If it's not appropriate, shut it down. But there's gonna be like Royal Shakespeare Company from England, you know, Chicago Shakespeare Theater clips, you know, uh, the Oxford or the Stratford Shakespeare Festival, Twelfth Night, you know, like, some of that can be fun to watch. I will give you a warning. I say this all the time. Bad Shakespeare is worse than no Shakespeare. I'd rather have you not do Shakespeare than to watch bad Shakespeare, right? Because it just ruins it for you, right? Good Shakespeare is worth it. Great Shakespeare, there's nothing like it. It's super fun and amazing and engaging and powerful, okay? But watching it is really important. Keep going. Couple more, just a couple more. I already hinted at this, but you may want to get a good summary and map it out in your brain. Who is Orsino? Who is Viola? Who is Festi? Maybe make a little character map, right? You've probably learned to do that in an English class somewhere. You could probably Google character maps and find somebody made some visual aid for Twelfth Night somewhere, right? The more you put in, the more you'll get out, all right? We are going to actually act out this summary probably for you guys on Wednesday, right? And so just, because it's, with something like this, it's really helpful to get to know the story a little bit before you try to unpack it, because then you're trying to figure out the language and the story at the same time. That can be overwhelming, I get it. I do that whenever I go read a new play or go watch a play. I get the summary, I get the characters, who's who, who's what, what's going on. Okay, then I'm gonna enjoy it. Okay, two more that I really wanna give you. Right now, I've said, Get notes, read it out loud, get help, reread it. You know, emphasis, emotion, write down questions, look up words, annotate it, use the movies, use the footnotes. Yes, we've already, that should be on your list. Let me give you two really valuable ones here, kind of saving the best for last. Has anybody in the room, you'd be the first one so far today, has anybody heard of the word enjambment? Huh? Any takers? No? All right, 
This is, uh, this is your gold for the day. You're welcome. All right. This is actually a sad little story for me. I was second year Wheaton Academy teaching Shakespeare, really excited about it. And I got to go to an English conference, an English teachers conference from all over the country, right? All these English teachers are here, maybe the world, and there's this guy presenting on Shakespeare, or on English. So I got to go to the Shakespeare session. We filled up a room like this. I'm eager, Mr. D, really excited. I'm teaching Shakespeare. I get to learn some cool tips. And I raised my hand. I said, hey, anybody in the room, Mr. Presenter, sir, up front, uh, how do you guys teach enjambment? I'm looking for creative ways to teach enjambment to my students. What? Nothing. Dead silence. I'm like, uh-oh, like awkward moment. Am I, am I like the idiot new teacher dude or the opposite? <laughs> like, like, how, like enjambment. How do you guys teach enjambment? Crickets, like nothing. I'm like, this is probably why people hate Shakespeare. Like we're not teaching this stuff. It's a big deal. This is also a side note, really valuable if you're ever gonna read scripture in front of people in public or at church. Enjambment is essential, especially when reading the Psalms or reading poetry, but you gotta know it for Shakespeare. Enjambment is when a line of poetry spills on to the next line, okay? So the way that I teach to read for enjambment is I encourage my students to drive through Shakespeare. When you're driving down the road, are there road signs that help you stay safe and stay in the right lane and to navigate traffic, etc.? Yes? That's what punctuation is. Shakespeare wrote sentences. Read the sentences. And then the punctuation are your clues for the sentences. For example, a period is what we call a full stop. When you are driving down the road and you get to a red light or a stop sign, what should you do? Like, actually, what though? Stop, look, wait for it to change, or go, right? Like, after you get. So a comma then would be like what then? A yield sign. Right? Or a yellow light, and you like slow down or speed up or whatever, like, but yield, I gotta look both ways, type of thing, right? And then just have some fun from there with like a question mark as I curve ahead, or exclamation point, steep hill, like, I don't know, whatever you wanna do with that. Um, interesting thing, what is a semicolon made of? A period and a comma. Because periods separate complete thoughts. But you have two complete thoughts that you really kind of want together, so you use a period to separate the two thoughts, but a comma to connect them, <gasps> semicolon, right? And I don't know what you're driving with that one. I don't know what that is. But are we catching this? Yes? I want you to think about this. When you look at page 85 in Twelfth Night and these opening lines, if music be the food of love, play on. Give me excess of it that's fighting. The appetite may sicken and so die. The strain ahead it had a dying fall. Or it came on right here like the sweet sound that breathes upon it. Like, do we talk like that? Can you imagine if we did? I want you all to go down to the front office and talk to Mrs. Fernandez about going out on the lawn for like you if we chopped up our sentences like that, how would it feel to communicate? Yeah, we wouldn't like communicating. Well, when you chop up Shakespeare, how does it feel to read Shakespeare? 
you're not going to like it. Is that, are we tracking? It's a really, it's a huge deal in some respects if you've never been taught this or you're not aware of it. Okay? So you read for the punctuation, not the end of the line. And then you add in the emphasis, et cetera, et cetera. If music be the food of love, play on. Give me excess of it that surfighting the appetite may sicken and so die. That strain again, it had a dying fall. Oh, it came o'er my ear like the sweet sound that breathes upon a bank of violets, stealing and giving odor. Like when you say that sentence now, it's like, that sound came across the bank of violets, it stole the odor and then gave the odor away to someone else. Like, oh, that's a sentence. I can read the sentence, right? Enough. No more. It's not so sweet now as it was before. I really want you to practice reading with enjambment, learn the word, but really learn the skill. Agreed? I mean, when you chop up a cat and you dissect a cat, it's nice because you get to see all the parts of a cat, but then you don't have a cat anymore. <laughs> we got to keep the stuff. It's okay to chop it up to look at it in some respects, but we got to keep it all together, especially the poetry. Good. Last little tip I want to give you right now. How much time do I have? Am I okay? For, ooh, it's tight. We have five minutes. Can we get it in? Let's get the last one in. The last one I want to give you, this is I think maybe one of the most important aspects of how to read a Shakespeare play. It's all dialogue. So you've got to remember, like I did with Jacques, what Jacques says doesn't necessarily say much about the Duke or the people in the play, but it sure does say a lot about who? Him. What characters say tell you about the characters, how they say it, who they say it to, when they say it. So Shakespeare's going to use the dialogue to do character development. Watch what happens with just the opening lines for the characters in Act 1. And I always look for opening lines in Act 1. Because watch what Shakespeare can do with one line. Ready? If music be the food of love, play on. Give me excess of it that surfighting the appetite may sicken and so die. Page 85. Act 1, scene 1, line 1. Awesome line. Who here likes music? Come on, seriously. You're not raising your hand, you don't like music? Okay, I mean, what, we love music. Who likes food? <laughs> Who wants some right now, all right? Like, we like food. So music and food, I want so much of music. I want so much food. I want so much love that I'm so full that I'm not hungry for any more love. Has anybody at Thanksgiving ever been there? Plate number three. <laughs> you can feel the food like right here backed up. And like, how about some pie? You're like, no, more food. Here's Orsino. What do we learn about Orsino? If music be the food of love, right? Like, give me more music, give me more love so much that I get so full of love I can't have any more. Whoa, opening line. Yeah? What's this guy like? Go to act. One, scene two, line one. Splash, washed up on shore. What country, friends, is this? Oh my goodness, she could say anything. She just survived a shipwreck and she didn't drown. Where am I? What new adventure am I gonna go on? And she calls these sailors friends. They're her servants and she calls them what? She is so cool. <laughs> Survivor, optimistic, go girl, kind, yeah? 
One line. Turn the page. Ready? Look at this one. Act 1, scene 3. What a plague means my niece to take the death of her brother thus. I'm sure care's an enemy to life. Seriously? Opening line for Toby in scene 3? I don't even caught what he just said. This, his nephew just died. Oh, my niece, she's crying over her dead brother. It's ruining my day. When people care about each other, it just sucks. It's nine in the morning. He's probably half drunk already. This jerk is saying when you cry over someone who died that you care about, it ruins my day. Please stop. Like, can you imagine if I said that in class to a student? Some kids in the back crying. Can you please stop crying over the person who died this summer that you love? You're ruining my Shakespeare class. This guy is a jerk. Right? You'll also find out pretty quickly he's a pervert. You know what's really interesting? Look who Olivia has to live with. Her brother just died. Her dad's dead. We don't know where mom is. Who's she in the house with? Drunk, jerk, perverted uncle. Yeah, that happens, doesn't it? Sucks, right? These people are real. How about this one, Festy? Oh my goodness. Act one, scene five, his opening lines, he cracks me up. Now it's really line 18, right? But she's like, oh dude, you're in trouble. You're late, you missed the funeral. She's pissed, she's gonna hang you. He's like, let her hang me, I don't care. It's like, no, seriously, she is so mad, she's gonna hang you. And then you get this line here, many a good hanging prevents a bad marriage. <laughs> In a play where there's three weddings, <laughs> the fool, yeah, I'd rather be dead than in a bad marriage. Did he just say that? I wonder what Shakespeare's marriage was like. Right? like <laughs> is he really the fool? Oh, it's just a fool. He's an idiot. Or here we are with over 50% divorce rate 400 years later. Maybe the fool's on to something. The bell rang. We're all hungry. Go eat. Nice job today. You guys are awesome. Those are all tips on how to read. Go back through when you're reading Act 1. Underline, look for some of those themes. We will pick them on Wednesday. We'll dive in Thursday. Nice job today. You guys are awesome. Peace out. Bye, Caroline. Hopefully that was helpful. If you haven't signed the sheet, I would love for you to sign on your way out. That would be great. Take care. Bye, thank you. Yep, see you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. B. Yep. I think I like the mask. This is I didn't, I like, I didn't like I, like I didn't play with my face the whole time too, so yeah. or shield, I guess this is called, right? Yeah. Face shield. What? What seems to be up to read? Act one. Act one. So now you're looking for themes and you're going to apply all the stuff we just talked about today into that reading, okay? I sent you the link. Great, I'll check that out. Thanks, really appreciate that. Bye guys. Peace bro.